Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler. Today, as always, I have my co-host, Ben Bateman. What is going on? Uh, today, it is literally the Pro Tours happening right. as we talk. As we, we speak, we're, we're watching literally... uh, Andrew Cuneo play uh, Ken Yokohiro. And it is happening live right now. Uh, you can hear us 14 life, and Andrew Kinney has 6 life. So we got we got uh, Abzan versus Infect, but we're not really going to talk a whole lot about that. You might mention it once in a while while the podcast is going. Yeah, exactly. Uh, today, so, you know, we're still in the realm of who knows what's going on. I mean, we all now know that Tassiger is making some waves in modern. Multiple decks have showed us that it's probably playable. We've noticed that... Um, you know, Abzan is 25% of the field at the Pro Tour right now, so it's obviously what most pros are considering level zero of the decks that are possibly playable in the format. Pretty standard in Modern, that it rotates back to a mid-range deck with strong value cards. Right, and I mean, you know, so far in the Pro Tour we've seen uh, black-white tokens be much stronger than it used to be because Pod's gone, so there's not like this invited ability engine that it has to fight against. We are seeing, in fact, see more play. It's interesting how much the format is moving, and by the end of this weekend, we'll kind of know what modern stands, or how modern stands now, that the Vannings have kind of phased out, and all of these new Fate Reforged cards have kind of been in flux to the format. We have a couple friends of the podcast, uh, guests. I don't believe we've had Austin Bach on here yet, but Eugene, Eugene was on here a couple months ago. Right. They're both playing there right now. Uh, I'm not sure what they're playing, actually. Uh, 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 Eugene is playing Burn, and Austin is playing Storm. Excellent. Of course, he's playing Storm. <laughs> Austin has this thing where all of his cards that are good that he has, he builds the decks that, that get banned. He has a whole, like, two pages in his binder full of, like, seeding songs and, and second sunrises and, and birthing pods. Just all the decks that get just crapped on. Um, so cards we're talking about today are going to be cards that, that will make it limiting in what you can and can't design or play in modern. Uh, right. These the, are the answers, and they're the answers that are ubiquitous throughout the format. And if you're building a strategy, you need to know that these are the tools that other decks are going to be using to stop you. So if I was able to say, uh, I can, for one mana, get a three-power creature on turn one, and uh, it's got fading three or something like that, and I'm going to make my whole deck around getting that. Well, you would probably say to me, well, Path to Exile and Lightning Bolt are in every deck. So if that's your only game plan is to just beat me with a three-power creature you can play on turn one because that's really good, it's not good enough because everybody right. plays an answer to that. It doesn't have hexproof. It's not going to be recursive. It's So I do think it's better than it used to be with the fact that Pot is no longer around and Kitchen Finks isn't, like, the best card in the format. Yeah, I, I think I think the point is, if you do something that seems really unique or powerful, you have to remember that there's four, five, six cards you will see in almost everybody's main deck or sideboard that you're going to have to be able to get around. Right, and that's what this is about. This is that these are the catch-all answers, the catch-all cards, the most basic five or six that exist in modern. And, and so, kind of to start off our list, um, and I think this is the one that has the most interesting way of warping. It's the newest. It's the. It is the newest. It is the newest. <laughs> um, uh, Abrupt Decay. Now, Abrupt Decay is a green and a black instant destroy target permanent with three, uh, non-land permanent with three or less mana. Converted uh, mana cost three or less. Converted mana cost, and it can't be countered. Um, one of the reasons it's so strong is that cannot be countered ability. It's an right. answer that you can guarantee this is going to get rid of the things I need to get rid of. Kills Delver. Kills Charmagoyf. Right. Kills, well, Young Pyromancer, but it kills... Lots of things that you want to kill in decks that they would have ways to protect. Right. Oh, it kills Jeskai Ascendancy. I mean, there are, yeah. there are like... Not only does it kill the creatures you need to kill, but it also kills some of the hard-to-kill threats like 
artifacts or enchantments that generally you don't have main deck hate against normally, but now you can because this card allows it. What's interesting about the card is one of the reasons cards like Siege Rhino and um, Bloodbraid Elf and Birthing Pod were so strong is probably the best answer to them can't hit them. We talked for a long time when we did the uh, Merfolk um, deck tech. Uh, re- one of the reasons Master Waves is so strong right now, or in general, is because the two two of the three most played removal spells... Don't target it. Don't target it. You can't kill it because it's a four drop and you with Abrupt Decay. And then Lightning Bolt, it's Lightning Bolt resistant because of protection from red. And so those two factors make the card very strong. And it, that kind of has an effect on the whole format where... It makes it so four drops are really the like the point of where the format is trying to go, which is kind of what Wizards wants. And also, they're they're willing. This was obviously when they printed this card. This was a power level push, no question, no question about oh, it. Yeah. They, but and, I, and they knew that. And I, I remember it surged in price when it first got previewed. Uh, I bought a few of them. I think it went up to twenty dollars when it first came out. And then it like dropped down immediately because it wasn't the best thing in standard at the time. And then everyone realized, oh no, this card's really good. And yeah, it was, it was legacy was the big reason. I think people were excited when it first got printed. It was it seemed like it. Was was going to be a big card in Legacy. Uh, but it, it's interesting, of all the cards on this list, this is the only multicolor card. So it, it is interesting to see a card that is such a catch-all and goes in so many decks that's a gold card. Right. Um, most of them, most of the cards that make this, this kind of discussion are not going to be cards... You almost play green or you play black if you wouldn't in a deck that can support it so you can play this card. Uh, I mean, I would even go so far as to say that this is the reason green-black deck... Green-black X decks are the mid-range decks of Modern. There, there are other reasons to play other combination of cards, but this is the one reason that almost all of them are green, black, blank. It's green, black, white, green, black, blue, green, black, red, but it's all green, black, and the right. reason is Abrupt Decay. It's the only one of those cards in that deck that force you to play those cards together, and it is so strong and important for the deck that it's, a, you know, it's the reason it's the world we live in. Um, I do think it was actually printed for Legacy for countertop decks. It's the fight specifically Miracle countertop decks. Right. They had just printed Miracles in it, like a set right before it came out, and it allows green-black mid-range decks to fight the soft lock of counter balance and top being in play. So you touched on Lightning Bolt a second ago. Yes, um, which is probably the most ubiquitous in the format of all of these things that, by a wide margin. I would say Lightning Bolt, and we've said this before, we've heard a lot of pros say that Lightning Bolt is the best card in the format. And it's the it's the place to start around. It's one of those cards that in, in game in game in modern, you draw a lightning bolt and you always feel good. Like it's the rate, everything about it is just what modern wants to be doing. Um, and, and and if you look at a lot of the cards we're going to mention, the best cards in modern are cards that are resistant to them. So the reason. Siege Rhino is so strong is it's Lightning Bolt proof and Abrupt Decay proof. Right. The, the reason Birthing Pop was strong was because it was Abrupt Decay proof. The reason Restoration Angel is strong and Lightning uh, Angel is stronger than uh, Mantis Rider is because it's a four toughness. So it dodges Lightning Bolt. And that's yep. a huge game in the format. Um, I honestly think Splinter Twin wouldn't be a competitive deck if Deceiver Exarch wasn't in the format and allowed them to have a 1-4, which was resistant. Like, a 1-4 is bad. Yeah. In most situations. Yeah. Except for the fact that it dodges Lightning Bolt. Which is so huge. I mean, it, 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 when Lightning Bolt was a standard, we talked about it. it. It was often talked about at the Lightning Bolt test. Similar when Jace was in standard, it was the Jace test. Does this card gain you value or is it good against Lightning Bolt? Right. And if it's not, even in modern, it's probably, you probably have the very good reason to be playing it otherwise. Inevitably, almost every threat in modern is 
dies to one of the three Abrupt Decay, Lightning Bolt, or Path to Exile. Right. So they, they kind of serve different purposes, those three cards, to keep the format in check. But you definitely, they always say that Modern is a turn four format, which is why they like to see a card like Seedrano be good. They right. want a four drop that just has a swingy life of it. They don't really care that it's a four five for four. It's counterable. It's it's not, it's clunky, but it's very good. It's, it's existence. It gives you value when it comes to place. So if the answer, you aren't like completely out for what you did that turn. Yeah. And it, no, no, it's semi-evasive in the fact that I was trample. Right. And so it's just going to get in there. It, it matches up well against Tarmogoyf. These Tokens. are things that they want in a threat. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see when you, you remember occasionally that the designers of this game, the people that are in Renton, in Washington, they're just puzzle builders. That's all they're doing. They're looking at the, the, the game of Magic and the card sheet, the full card sheet, the 16,000 or whatever cards there are, it's just one giant puzzle. And they every time they print a new card, they introduce something new. That's what they're keeping in mind. You like, like we said, you can't print X without Y in mind. If X is too strong, you have to print Y. Bannings are it's, it's bannings when they, they happen. It's them admitting they've made a mistake, right? And they screwed up in the puzzle building because it's so vast. It's hard to get it right every time. Well, and I mentioned this before. Wizards doesn't focus on modern and legacy when developing cards. They're looking at standard and trying to make standard the most interesting thing they can make. Um, and if a card's too powerful for modern, they know, okay, we just have to be able to ban it. If Treasure Cruise is printed, I'd rather have Treasure Cruise in standard words doing interesting things and have to ban it in modern than not print cool cards that people are excited for. Yeah, that's fair. Um, back to Bolt. I mean, we've talked about this. There's a reason that four toughness creatures are good. There's The fact that it can hit a player and not just creatures is super relevant because it means it's never a dead card. The it's fact a- that it costs one mana, so things like Bolt, Snap, Bolt exist. Right, exactly. And so, like... It's a threat. It kills creatures and it's never dead. That's why Lightning Bolt is considered one of the best cards ever printed. The next card on our list, Path to Exile, um, can, we is... just, can we just touch on for a second? I think we've probably mentioned this on here before, but for those of you that don't know, the initial five cards of the, the five run, oh, uh, yeah. the one for each color, they were one mana spells that had a, a multiple of three effect. So the five in question were... Lightning Bolt, uh, very fair, strong to this day. So one red, strong three damage. Ever printed. One blue to draw three cards. Ancestral Recall. Card's terrible. Totally it's absurd. Play. This like just <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, which is why he knew he was making blue the strongest, and he's admitted since. Yeah. Uh, one black for three mana. Dark Ritual. Also awesome. Card's never going to see play. Really? I don't see that doing any good in any format. <laughs> uh, really, really good. <laughs> then you have Giant Growth for one green. Target creature gets plus three plus three on turn. Very good card. Great. Limited all-star. Sees play and effect like decks. Generally, it's just, just one a of good the all... role player. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a classic. Exactly. Where the other three that we just mentioned are arguably a little overpowered. Giant Growth is like, this is what green does. This is a perfect example of it. Yeah, clean, simple, great, and it's it's awesome that he got it so right with lightning bolt and giant growth the first time, but then he got it so wrong with healing self, which is the white <laughs> right. one. One white target player gains three life or prevent three damage to target creature or player. So so good. Yeah, so pretty funny. Gonna do stuff. That's the five. I think the problem is white doesn't have anything that that I guess three one one tokens is what it should have been if we like look back. And and it would be so un- it would be unfair. So, yeah, you can't three. Three power, yeah, no. Spectral Procession right. is For one amazing. Yeah, yeah, Well, but it'd be sold. They wouldn't have flying. It wouldn't be soldier token. I'm trying to think like, well, these other cards are overpowered Raise the too. Alarm is playable in token decks, and it's right. two for two. <laughs> well, I'm not saying it's modern. Going, like, It's true. I mean, on, on the comparison to like Ancestral Recall or Dark Ritual, Lightning Bolt, yeah. People play Lightning Strikes and Incinerates and things like that when they have to. So. Yeah. I, I mean, or maybe just 
Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, yeah uh, White just has three. like a weird problem where it has to be multiple three. And there's not a lot of good things it does in that realm. Yeah, there's gaining life. There's token making. There's. I guess it could like raise target creature with converted mana cost three or less in a graveyard. That, that wasn't that's a thing like, in White wasn't back a then. Thi- yeah, and it's no. very black feeling still. Yeah, nothing. I got yeah, nothing. I got nothing. All right, moving on. Um, speaking of white, uh, and really, let's be honest, in Alpha, this was the white good card in this slot, the one mana white card. And uh, well, that was Swords of Plowshares. We now have the modern version, which is Path to Exile. Right. Um, and I was talking about earlier, I was saying with Lightning Bolt, Lightning Bolt, the, the fact that it can hit a player when it's just dead and they don't have any creatures is the weakness of Path to Exile. Sure. Path to Exile is what it does is for one white mana, remove target creature from the game. Just clean, it's gone, and then they get a basic land from their deck to be put in play. Um, one of the reasons it's so strong is it answers every threat we've mentioned so far that is resistant to Abrupt Decay and Lightning Bolt, path answers. Other than Hexproof Creatures, this is the best way to get rid of your op- opponent's opposing threats. Everything. Other Celestial yeah. Colonnades that are activated. I mean, anything. Right. <laughs> See, he <laughs> says that because Celestial Colonnade was currently just shown on the Twitch feed on for the, the Pro Tour. On the screen <laughs> right now. Looks like Shuhei's at three playing Just Guy Control. He's pondering. Yeah, I have one from three. Not against Siege Rhinos, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, so, continuing. Path to Exile. The weakness is, is that it can only hit creatures. Unlike Abrupt Decay, that can hit every possible threat. That's under three mana. And most decks are playing something. Be it right. a Planeswalker, be it a creature, be it an enchantment, be it an artifact. Or Lightning Bolt, which, worst case scenario, I'm using it as a threat and lowering their life total a couple points. Sure. Um, Path to Exile is just dead. So, like, an example is, again, something like Scapeshift, Path in game one, literally does nothing. In fact, it hurts your game plan because it's putting another land in play under their control. Right. Um, the other weakness to it is something that I always found was really interesting, and a uh, and one of the next cards on our list, uh, it's terrible with its what we'd imagine to be its best friend, which is Mana Leak. Normally, removal, efficient removal plus counter spells is kind of like one of the staple ways of playing Magic. It's like a control strategy to the nines. But you're you're allowing them to ramp so that they can then pay for your Mana Leaks later down the run. So it has this kind of anti-synergy that makes the choice of playing Mana Leak or Path together really interesting. Yeah, and that's a good tension that they've introduced. And, and, and I think they sort of knew that. They... The, the funny thing is that these cards we're talking about, when they were discussing modern and they had that they had that community cup where we talked about the history of modern and all the decks, they looked at all these cards. They kind of I'm sure they knew. Okay, well yeah, Mana Lake's the best counter spell, and right. Path is going to be the staple removal, and Bolt's going to be everywhere. So they kind of knew like the white blue control decks are going to want to play these two cards together. Oh, that's a really good and interesting interaction. Also, I believe Path and Mana Lake were together in standard at one point. No, they just missed each other. They just missed each other. Mana Lake came in with M11. And Path rotated with, uh, and I guess they they existed for a total of like two months. The whole like between course between, thing, yeah, during, yeah. The, during summer, right uh, before uh, Scars of Mirrodin showed up. Sure, right after M eleven, that weird period where we also had like the Titans in play. There's so there's a lot. Well, anyway, they, they existed together and extended. So this was a thing that, right? Yes, yeah, but sure. it was like the weird period where extended was like, not killed really within like five. I think that just three weeks. I think extended new, extended new Extended was created at the same time Scars of Mirrodin came out, for sure, because I played decks from that period in New Extended. That was a format that just never even remotely caught on. Nine months, I think it existed yeah. in total, where, like, yeah, because if you look at it, like, the format changed around when Jace got banned. 
Like when Jace got banned, they banned it and extended, and then we're like, oh yeah, this doesn't do anything. Let's just cancel this format. No one plays it. Yeah. That was fail experiment. I enjoyed it, but that was because I liked playing Bread, ugh, Blood Braid Elf and Vengevine in the same deck, which you never really worked it. out. Yeah, <laughs> and well, and and uh, lightsaber Naya. <laughs> we have we have modern now, which is much better than right, which is why standard. we're here. Yeah. Um. So Path to Exile is the weakest of the removal, probably creature removal, in the f- sense that it gives them an advantage when it's dead. Like when they don't have creatures, it does nothing. Um, but on the other end is the only thing that can answer everything. If they play a creature that doesn't have Hexproof across from you, you can answer it with Path to Exile. Right. That is, I mean, that is very good. So we're watching on screen right now as uh, Ken Yukihiro plays a turn one Thoughtseize. The next catch-all answer on our list the of next catch-all ca- answers. And, and we should say, Thoughtseize and Inquisition of Kozilek, they're the two choice, one black, sorcery, look at target player's hand. In the case of Thoughtseize, it's you may choose any non-land card and put it in their graveyard, you lose two life. And in Inquisition's case... It is, you may remove any non-land card with converted mana cost three or less from their hand into their graveyard. So they, they serve different purposes, the, the kind of different sides of the same coin. Um, well, I, I do think that they definitively have different effects. I think Abrupt Decay and Inquisition of Kozilek have a lot in common in right. what they do to the format in the sense that they make non-three drops stronger right. and more important. And Inquisition of Kozilek can't get rid of... Um, Restoration Angel. Restoration Angel, sorry. It's Escape Shift. Drop. At the time, Birthing Pod. Right. And so they have a similar... And they are generally in the same deck. So those decks are very uh, have much larger problems against decks that are playing those kind of cards. Sure. Um, though Thoughtseize catches them when they can't. So the, the interesting thing is Thoughtseize... I've heard uh, Kibler has often, like argued that Thoughtseize is terrible for magic it's because likes, yeah. it, it, what it does is it makes it so you have to make your strategies much more linear. You can't have one-shot ways of winning. You have to have, like, much... Every deck needs to be redundant. It makes it so you can't play inconsistent decks because if they Thoughtseize you, you lose. Yes, this is this is the nature of, like, if, if you were to like, be like, Bateman, what are your ten best brews? And they'd be like, well, they all die to Thoughtseize. Right. <laughs> they're, they're all bad. If you take my favorite, my pet card out of my opening hand, then the deck's just not good Yeah, anymore. it just falls apart. And that's, you know, theoretically, modern could be more interesting if people could play any deck they want to play. Right. And instead, now they have to be like, well, I have to only play decks that are, like, have recursive threats, and, and my th- everything I'm doing has... You know, eight copies of my game plan, and they're all Thoughtseize resistant. Yeah, what would happen if they took the, all the cards that we're mentioning here, if they all left the format? What would the format look like? Sh- uh, standard? <laughs> I mean, it would just be much weaker? like Or stronger. I mean, I think it just become combo. Everyone would be playing combo. Every combo deck just starts winning. Right. Because there's no answers to them. Right? I mean, I guess Cryptic Command becomes the best card in the format because it's the only answer to anything. <laughs> well, there's other counterspells. I mean, there's used to people who just play well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remand and like, what is Memory? You play Duress. I mean, it, it, is it would change the format. Legal? Is no. Memory, you no, can't play Memory Lapse? definitely not legal. It's never, it's never in like 8th like or something? No. Like Speaking of counterspells, counterspells, Manalik and what I actually, I don't think Manalik is the best counterspell in the format. I think it's actually just inherently not that good. Uh, I do think that... Um, Remand is the best counterspell in the format. Do you really? Yeah. Uh, so, for two reasons. One, we've been talking about this whole time. Four drops are where this format matters. And Remand is great against four Fantastic, drops. Fantastic. Yeah. When, when someone's playing something for four mana, Remand is exactly where you want to be. Because you could have played a two drop that turn and kept Remand up, and you're gaining value, and you're time walking them. 
You were absolutely right. I remember that. It goes up through seventh. They they didn't print the eighth. Got it. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. It was I'm in every. Always, I'm always right, Ben. It you was in every it. course until seventh, and it was close. Right, right. There's a foil version, so foil Highlander Rat, you can play it. Heads That's up. true, <laughs> but we're the modern podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> um, what we mentioned before, it's interesting. The format is so much about two drops and four drops that Mana Leak ends up, for me, not being as strong because by turn four, you can start playing those powerful two drops we're, we're mentioning and get around Mana Leak pretty easily. Right. And... Remand just does so much more against those four drops that it, it and it's good on turn two. Remanding their two drop on turn two is great. Mana leaking is probably better, right? But it's not that much worse to remand them because you're gaining velocity. You're drawing cards through your deck, getting to the main answers you want. And remand cycles at any point in the game. It cycles exactly. late in the game, even if even if it's not going to do anything for you. If you're just if you're even if they're trying to cast a Birds of Paradise on turn nine, you can just remand it and cycle remand. Right. Or harder. if you theoretically have a like. This card does nothing. Like a path to exile, I can remand my own to draw cards. Right. Um, it does also, it, in that sense, it's much trickier of a card because you can do cute things. Like in Scape Shift, if you go off and they counter your Scape Shift and you only have two mana, so you can't like pay for mana leak, you can remand your Scape Shift. Right. So that you get your Scape Shift back. Draw a card, so you're ahead, and they just discarded their counter spell. And because Scape Shift's uh, sacrificed land. Uh, component is a result of the card. It's not a cost of the card. It's not an additional cost as you play the card. True. Yeah, so yeah, you don't yeah. just have to sack all your lands. And right, right. It's an effect. Hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so that's remand, and I do think it has a... And it's a little bit fairer. I feel like it doesn't feel as bad as some counter spells do to players because you're like, oh, I get my card back, and you get a card, and I just kind of wasted my turn. That's fine. Versus Mana Leak, which I feel like... Mana leak, which I do think, like, on your end, if I mana leak something, you're behind. Sure, yeah, yeah. Or I draw mana leak in the late game, and it's just as terrible. The costs for mana leak are so much higher on both ends of the side that it's not as interesting of a dynamic as remand is. That's totally fair. Um, so those are kind of the five to seven, depending if you include Thoughtseize of the Inquisition and Mana Leak and Remand in the same slots. Well, I think, uh, Kessler, unless I'm mistaken here, I think you're forgetting the most important catch-all card in the entire format. And I'm, I'm going to say this, and you guys are going to think I'm joking. Spellskite. I, I'm not saying that in a way that's supposed to be joking. I know I sound like I'm joking. I'm dead serious. That card shows up in every single sideboard. It is, in my opinion, main deckable a lot of the time. I know it's not in the same league as the other cards we're talking about here. It's not quite, it's not Lightning Bolt. Well, so what's interesting to me about Spellskite is of all the cards we mentioned, Spellskite is the answer to those cards. To all of them. Right. Well, not all of them. It doesn't answer Thoughtseize and yeah. the Hand Disruption and Counter Spells, but it answers Abrupt Decay. It's not that answers Lightning Bolt. I actually think one of the reasons Spellskite is as good as it is and the reason you love it so much is the best way in this format to fight these catch-all answers. If you want to do something that's glass cannony, like in fact where Lightning Bolt is bad for you, the best possible way to survive is Spellskite. It stops their creature kill. So it allows you to kind of get that one step beyond the removal, the next level what people are doing. And what card taps itself to play a Spellskite? Grand Architect. Okay, now now we're in the (laughs) land of cards that Thoughtseize is good against. (laughs) No, no, I just, my my point is, I'm not going to put Spellskite in the same, actually the same category as these other cards, but to me, if you were talking about most important sideboard cards in modern. It's the most important sideboard card. It's almost. It does also catch a lot. Like it is a good answer to all auras, which in this format is weirdly relevant because against infect, there's a lot of 
things that spell sketch really good against. Against Against boggles and against Splinter Twin. And that's at least that's three chunks of the format that it's great against. Like it literally is unbeatable for those three matchups to beat you if you have a spell cannon play. They have to answer it. Spell sketch. And then the fact that it just gains value against black decks that are trying to kill your creatures or red decks that are you know lightning bolt decks. Like it's great against lightning bolt and burn. It gains so many interesting value situations. It's good against affinity. And it is an answer. It's not like Kitchen Finks, which is really a threat that gains you life, so it like shuts out uh, creature strategies or aggro strategies. Sure. It's not like Voice of Resurgence that stops counter spells. It because those are really creatures that have like a tacked on ability that right. make right. them efficient. This is literally you don't play Spellskate to kill someone with it. You play Spellskate to stop them from doing something. Yeah, you play sure. Thoughtseize to stop them from doing something. You play Manalik to stop them from doing something. And that's what these these not threats, these answers are meant to do in the format. These are the catch-alls. These are the things that each deck can play, or some of them decks can play, to stop your opponent from doing something so that you can do your plan more efficiently. They also warp the fairmount around them. They also warp the format around them. Sage Rhino, Sage Rhino, <laughs> Palisage, Palisage. <laughs> so that sometimes decks that are a little bit more weaker to interaction but would be cooler, like Goro's Vengeance decks, are right. less powerful because I'm just never going to get what I need to be getting off. Damn, I, I wish. I think you're absolutely right that if you were to get rid of these cards, if you were to get rid of these cards, the format would turn into combo, only combo. I think. I think the there would be worse versions of a few of these cards people would play. I think you would see things like deprive maybe show up a little like a little bit here and there. I think you would see right. just kind of bad counter spells. Well, so like when it comes down to counter spells, I think one of the reasons control is still probably weak in the format and has always been weak is because it doesn't have good counter spells. Mana Leak is terrible for uh control strategies because it doesn't have a late game value. It, it remand is the same deal. Both of those cards every turn that goes by is worse, which right. means that what is a control strategy doing? In reality, the Probably the strongest control decks are the mid-range decks. The Thoughtseize into Abrupt Decay into Liliana is a much stronger control strategy, stopping your opponent from doing anything, than anything blue-white can put forward. Because the strength of what blue would be, which is counterspells, doesn't exist. Also, if you take all these cards away, it's funny. that You'd think that a lot of the cards that are being answered, the the Delvers and what have yous, would be... But actually, I think what would happen is that the, the cards that are already good against these, like... The, the four drops would just become insane. They would go... I think if, say, Abraptic left and Inquisition and Kozilek left, three drops become much stronger in general. Though I do think in Magic, the way Wizards designs cards, three drops are generally less powerful anyways. Yeah. It's not like... they For some reason, it's easier to push a two drop than a three drop. I think, just in general, the, the power level... If a card is just slightly too powerful on a two drop, it's way more powerful than if a three drop is slightly more powerful. That difference in yeah. turns is so important. And a four drop, they can, they just feel like they can print anything in a four drop at this point it's because it's just like that's that's when they want stuff to go down anyways. It used to be a four four for four was amazing. Right now, now a five five for four is not standard, but it happens with regularity. It isn't standard. Polrukinos isn't standard. No, I, I don't mean in standard. I don't mean it's the standard. Oh, the standard. I right, just right, mean, right, yeah, right. it happens with regularity. It's like, yeah, yeah. Polrukinos is a five. Five, five for four with a sweet ability. Right, there are. There's a four four flyer for three. There and an, another four four for three in the format in standard right now that aren't seeing play. I played. <laughs> we, we did a chaos draft with the with the uh, command cast guys uh, three four weeks ago, and uh, I drafted a Moroi Moroi a four four flyer for four in blue black and a Ravnica pack, 
and the beginning of upkeep, you lose one life. A 4-4 flyer for four that you lose one during your upkeep was the best card in my entire deck. It was ridiculously powerful. Right. And that's not even good by today's standards. Oh, no, it's not playable in modern. And it's in modern. It's not. Yeah. It's a modern legal card. No not one plays even, it. Not even playable. <laughs> um, you need a... Like that, and that's kind of what these answers do. They make it so when you play something, it has to gain you something immediately. Restoration Angel is strong because it's a 3-4 flash, but it also, when you play it, it gains you value. It dodges some of the removal in the format anyways, and it makes it so your other creatures that you can only play because they gain you value, gain you value. Like, just Restoration Angel into Wall of Omens is super strong because you draw a card. Restoration Angel saving a creature counters their spell. There's so many intricate things, yeah. and it's all because it has an effect when enters play. I love drawing cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, the format got a little sadder for you because they just banned everything. That draws you cards. All of it's gone. Mm. Goodbye, card advantage. We're now back into the pre-card advantage age where people are playing Sphinx's Revelation. I don't think anyone's playing that. I haven't it's seen not, any in the field. In, in, in modern? Yeah. Blue Eye Control plays Sphinx's Revelation. Normally two of them. Especially now that... I mean, they didn't for the last four months because right. uh, Dig Through Time existed. But now Dig Through Time's gone again. So we're so back to... Back to the same thing again. All right, so now that we kind of go over catch-all answers in the format, I want to talk about the deck we're doing today. Uh, we're going to do another brew. You paying attention? I'm, we're doing another brew. I'm, th I'm thrilled about okay. this. Right. <laughs> uh, normally, we uh, actually kind of been doing some of Ben's brews, and today we're going to do one of mine. Uh, a definitive difference between the two is Ben likes jumping off the walls, doing crazy shenanigans, while I'm going to come at you with a little bit more of a uh, trapped in the histories of different formats and see if we can bring that to modern and see what we can do with Some it. Some people may interpret that as good and bad. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, I love my brews, but I, I do really like I do really like the brew we're talking about today. Uh, so today we're talking about the Aristocrats. The Aristocrats is a deck that is all about uh, playing creatures and then sacking them for advantages, and those creatures, when they die, you getting a value for that effect. Um, it originally came out of the gates at Bro, uh, Pro Tour Gate Crash. Yes. Uh, Tom Martell won the Pro Tour playing the Aristocrats. Uh, back then, it played Doom Traveler, it played uh, Cartel Aristocrat, which are some of the cards we actually are going to think about bringing into Modern. Uh, it also played stuff like Boris Reckoner, which I don't think is been shown to be of a high enough power level to really make it in the format. Um, to kind of start to explain the three major things that a deck like this tries to do, uh, a previous Star City Games article was talking about this. There are three types of cards in the deck, really. Um, and, and in Modern, they'll probably end up being four, but the three kind of creatures are artists, which are creatures that, when something dies, you gain an effect, named after Blood Artist. Uh, aristocrats, which are your sack outlets, your creatures like Falkenrath Aristocrat, uh, like Falkenrath Aristocrat back in Standard, and uh, Cartel Aristocrat. Sure. Um, and lastly, you have uh, Travelers, named after Doom Traveler, which are creatures that when you uh, sacrifice them, you gain an effect. Normally, you gain tokens out of the effect. Um, the, effect. the other type of card that in Modern will probably come into play are your Interaction Spells. So this includes stuff like Thoughtseize, Path to Exile, Lightning Bolt, and Liliana the Veil. The difficulty with Bruce is always finding enough of the heart of the theme you want, which in this case is the Aristocrats theme, and also being able to fit in 8 to 10 or 12, unless you're a combo deck, 8 to 10 or 12 interaction cards, because you won't win games unless you can Right, kill especially a deck that's like, you're trying to tap out for something on turn 4, you have to have some way to stop them from playing... Uh, Kiki Jiki or Splinter Twin and winning right off the bat. It tends to be always what happens when I'm brewing is I don't leave enough room for those cards. By the time I get around to putting them in, the deck, the theme suffers. Right, exactly. And then, yeah, this... it, 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 especially with a strategy like this, which is very much more of a mid-range strategy, you have to be able to react to what they're doing. You can't just, I'm going to do my stuff and it's going to go over the top of what you're doing. Right. It, it's not something like 
Storm or something like that where you'll just win. You have to like be able to play a game of magic with them. So there is some semblance of cards that interact with what they're doing so that you don't just get ran over while you're doing your own thing. We often talk about, and we, we've brought it up a like hundred times, but we always talk about the Hunted Handsome deck and how essentially a 7-7 seven, seven on turn two with like a ley line to kill the tokens is great. But if it gets killed... You don't have a plan B, and if you've chalked your deck full of things to protect it from getting killed, you won't be able to stop them from comboing off. Right. So it's difficult to do things like that. It's just difficult to get away with brewing, which is why I think the, the best brews tend to be translations from other formats, which is right. where this True. is coming from. Especially in Modern. Modern is a format that very much is, like, steroid standard. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Um, so it, it kind of allows to do it. One of the reasons I think it's interesting to look at this right now is... Um, for two reasons. One, I think in general token strategies are better than they used to be because so many of the creatures are, there's going to be much more of an aggro situation right. right on the format because Birthing Pot is gone. And beyond that, a lot of the removal is bad against you. Lingering Souls is really strong right now because Lightning Bolt and Path to Exile are the two most played removal spells, and both of them are terrible against tokens. I'll trade a token for a land. Right, please. Exactly. <laughs> please, please do. Um, and so. What it comes down to is that, on one hand, gives you a lot of advantage. The other reason is Birthing Pod, The main effect, one of the main effects it had on the format was it kind of just locked out all other mid-range decks because why aren't you just playing Birthing Pod? Why would you play a advantage engine, a deck that takes advantage of a different type of engine when the Birthing Pod advantage is so much higher? And in essence, Birthing Pod kind of played like an Aristocrats deck. You had your Aristocrat, which was Birthing Pod. Right. You had... A bunch of travelers, stuff like um, kitchen finks, kitchen finks, Boys and resurgence. Boys resurgence that right. like gained value when they died. So, and you gain a bunch of you know like stuff that eventually you would, in essence, a lot of the kitchen finks and stuff were the artists. They were artists and they did both travelers right. at once. Right, right, right. Um, but because of that birthing pot, it was able to kind of chain those for value. Where instead, now we're stuck in a situation where we need to find card advantage and token card generating cards are kind of that kind of engine. Totally. Um. One of the reasons I think it's really strong with like Liliana the Veil is it adds to the ability to w w discard Lingering Soul tokens for value while gaining advantage against your opponent. Sure. It gives you a level of ability to interact. So it's kind of a middle point between what Birthing Pod used to be and what Junk, Jund, and Abzan decks are now. So to kind of talk about some of the interesting card choices. Okay. Um, the first one, and this is the one that's newly been printed and one of the more interesting ones. And there's possibly a choice between this and another card, but Butcher of the Horde. Card is really awesome. Really good. You got a 5-4 four, flyer for 4 already, kind of above curve on what you're paying for. But then the ability to give it haste, um, vigilance, lifelink, all of these effects that are super strong. The fact that on turn 4, I can sacrifice 2 tokens I made on previous turns to gain 5 life and hit them, dome them for 5, is something to heavily keep in consideration for playing cards. And this... Comes out of the gate running, super strong, has a lot of value. The card that would maybe compete for it on the same slot is Falconrath Aristocrat, which, which was in the original deck. Well, it was in the original deck. Yes, it was in the original deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is a, a 4 2 flyer, sacrifice a creature, gain indestructible. If it's a human, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. Generally, most of the time, the plus one, plus one counter isn't that relevant, though for playing Doom Traveler, it might be. Um, more importantly is, A, it's a vampire, so you might be able to gain value by playing something like Cavernous Souls. Right. Um, though if you're trying to play Thoughtseize and Liliana, that might make it a little difficult. Uh, the other fact is, you know, it has haste already. You don't have to give it haste. You just are sacrificing for the indestructible effect, 
So getting in with a 4-2 is just going to be generally strong. And with a 4-1, the indestructible is relevant because of Lightning Bolt, but with the Butcher of the Horde, indestructibility is relevant because it, it'll still die right. a path, and what, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Path, uh, abrupt Decay and Lightning Bolt aren't going to do anything anyway. And, and what's interesting is, we mentioned this earlier in the podcast, being a 4-drop is really strong still. The fact that, you know, one of the reasons Birthing Pop was good was it's not a 3-drop. <laughs> it's a 5-4 or a 4-5? Uh, it's a 5-4. So it trades a Siege Rhino, but it kills Restoration, uh, Restoration Angel. Angel. Most yeah. re- very relevant. Which are like the major flyers you have to worry about in the right. format. Um, it really comes down to what do you want to be resilient. And we talked about earlier, being resilient, just automatically resilient to Lightning Bolt is probably better than just having haste stapled onto it already. Um, especially because it's a format where people don't tap on turn 4, because turn 4, turn four is the turn they have to be worried about. Because you just lose on turn right. 4. Um, to kind of wrap up the Aristocrat section, Cartel Aristocrat, which is the other one, which is your 2-trop Aristocrat. The reason it's important is, and it, it has a weird deceiving power level. When you see it, you don't think it's as powerful as it probably ends up being. The protection from colors is super strong in this format in general. It's just really good in general. It's right. like, uh, that card is heavily undervalued. Right. That card is very if, good. If, if, you don't really realize it until you're playing it with and or against it, but it's almost, it's so difficult to interact with it in any profitable way because anytime you try to do something, they'll they'll get an effect, but then they don't have to. So like, I don't have to sack a creature, but you have to react to it as if I am. Right. So you can't block it very efficiently because I'll just give it protection. You can't use a lightning bolt to kill it because I can give it protection, which means you won't use a lightning bolt to kill it, which means I'm getting this like unblockable 2-2 that you can't do anything against for the entire game. So provided you have enough gas and things to, to sacrifice. Speaking of gas, now, in standard, they relied a lot on travelers that were cards that, you know, like Doom Traveler where you had to sacrifice it to get a token out right, of it. Right. The nice thing about modern is token strategies are super strong, sure. and there are token ge- card generators that are just heavily powerful. There's an argument made that Lingering Souls is one of the most powerful cards in the format right now without this being a situation. Right. So it takes advantage of cards like Lingering Souls and Bitter Blossom to just generate above and beyond the amount of tokens you need to kind of take advantage of these other cards. Absolutely. And the last, and mentioning it, Bitter Blossom is super strong. A turn two Bitter Blossom is one of the stronger things you can do in modern. The problem is is that there's not a lot of strategies that take advantage of it as much as it needs to, and it's a little slow. But the fact that you can play Bitter Blossom, use it defensively for a turn, and then sack those tokens to the you know five four flying hasty vigilance whatever you want it to be at the time right. is super powerful. Yeah, I, I also love to see another deck that that utilizes Blood Artist. It's I, I think Blood Artist is like one of those cards that will will it, it, that card's going to rear its head again in Magic. Yeah, like it's it's such a uniquely powerful effect to get on two mana. The, the, the amazing thing about Blood Artist is that when Falconroth Noble was out originally, the two two flying four drop version of right. this from Innistrad, it was a very four, high two pick. Flying. Oh yeah, it was a two two flying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Falconroth yeah, Noble. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, the original version, it was a two two flyer for four mana, and it was a limited all star. People people loved Falconroth yeah. Noble. It was a card that you could you could swing entire games. Uh, when Blood Artist got printed, I think a lot of people looked at it and said, "Well, it's a zero one with the same effect, and it costs two, but it's a zero one." So yeah, what was you, more important, the effect of the two two flyer? And it ends up the effect. <laughs> it's crazy powerful. Yeah. I mean, that's it's another card that like it just it does so many cool things. It interacts with so many different cards in this amazing way. Uh, board wipes and things like that. It, it triggers itself. It's it's very good. It's the heart of the deck, I think. Right. And, and, and what's interesting is you get to take advantage of the fact that you're producing all these tokens. You have 
not even talking about the Travelers that we haven't gone to, but Lingering Souls of Bitter Blossom lets you play Intangible Virtue, which makes every token you play a 2-2, which means, you know, Bitter Blossom is, instead of producing one mana 1-1s every turn, or uh, just a 1-1 every turn, right. you're getting a 2-2 every turn, which is a completely different ballpark, and they're all they're all Vigilance, they're all super strong. Right. I mean, that, that effect, and the fact that you have all these tokens makes that really strong. You don't play the full four of them because you're not all in on the strategy, but because you have Liliana, because you have this, you can discard them when they're irrelevant, but normally you'll be able to gain some advantage of giving all your tokens plus one, plus one. Sure. Pause. Ancestors. Hail to Ancestors? Rise the Ancestors. Raise the Ancestors? Okay, I'm just going to look it up. <laughs> ancestors. The White Card. It's an instant? Yeah. No. Yeah. Ancestors? It's an the one that gets all X, X, white, white X or whatever. Is it an instant? Not standard. Yeah, definitely an instant. Uh, Rally the Ancestors. This is what I was saying. You're like, I don't know that card. I've never heard of that card. Yeah, but you also said it within like five other words <laughs> once. Two of the words you said were Rally and Ancestors. Rally, it's called Rally the Ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> um, only because how many... So you have the Doom Travelers. What else would you only get back? If they kill a Blood Artist, obviously. Sure. The one issue with the card... Uh, one issue with the card Rally Ancestors... Yeah. Um, ...is that a lot of your token producers aren't creatures. Right. Yeah, So yeah. if you're going to play that, you'd maybe want to lean towards something that's playing a lot more... Um, uh, Doom Travelers, uh, Mog War Marshals. That way you can gain advantage off of you're those cards. You're not playing forums in the list right now? Uh... Uh, right now, I have a 2-2 two -two split just to test for testing. A I two, see. Two, two Doom Traveler, two Mog War Marshals. I can't imagine you'd want to go more than that. So in, in, in a version right. that played a lot of creatures, with a Blood Artist and a card like the Retribution, Rally, Rally the, <laughs> Rally the Ancestors. In a version that played more creatures, the reason I think you could play a one of or a 2 of the Rally the Ancestors would be you could set up a turn where you just cast it for four mana and then all of a sudden sack everything and it's like a ten point swing. Right. It could right, be like right, a total right, right. finisher, uh, which could be very good but it also means you have to fill your graveyard, you're not milling yourself. Right. So. And, and getting more creatures, I think there's a more powerful way to use that card and it involves, and it could be an aristocrat-like shell. This deck, the way it's currently built, doesn't go with that. It'd be much more linear. Also, uh, Tasker is a thought because Tasker just, just really comes to play. good. And yeah, but the, it, once again, in a deck that's playing... More travelers and less token producers. Right. The, the issue right now is the best two token producers in the format by a wide margin are Lingering Souls and Bitter Blossom. Yes. And neither of them are creatures, which has advantages because removal doesn't have a, a good answer to them. Right. But disadvantages in those situations where you can't do tricky things like reanimating them or right. using them for delve or whatever. Yeah. Um, especially because both of them don't put spells in the graveyard. Lingering Souls has flashbacks, so you don't want to exile with Tassiger, and, and you can't Bitter Blossom, go, it stays yeah. in play. You can't go in one direction or the other and go heavily with non-creature non token producers because you have to play four ofs of two specific cards that are two-drop creatures in the deck. You have to play four Blood Artists, and you have to play four Cartel Aristocrat. Right. Just the efficiency of the sack outlet, and the fact that the point of this is the game advantage off of Blood Artists. The fact is you're playing a beatdown game, Yeah. For most of the game, you're playing just a, I'm a playing a token deck with probably slightly better removal and a little bit more of a mid-rangey plan. Right. Oh, but, you know, now that the board is stalled out, you somehow been able to block me. Oh, I play Blood Artist, I win. Right. Because I just drain you. Like, once I got in with a few Lingering Soul tokens or a few Bitter Blossom tokens, mm. putting you down to, like, you know, 15 or 10, then I sack everything for a 10-point life swing because Bitter Blossom tokens have been building up the whole game while we've been, like, staring at your Rhino and my 5-4 flyer. Sure. And you're just game over. Yeah, really good. Um, so that's kind of what the deck is trying to do. 
Instead of doing a full deck gauntlet today... Because decks are changing right now. It is the Pro Tour. Exactly. I mean, we're literally watching happening. it as it's happening. Monday, we'll be able to start doing deck techs back to normal. But instead of doing that, since today is about catch-all answers, why don't we see how this deck matches up against each of the main answers in the format? Yeah, so we'll start with we will start with abrupt decay. Now, I, I think you know what you know what I think we will do because realistically, the catch-all answers exist in a couple different categories. So the removal suite of lightning bolt, abrupt decay, and path, like we said, they all function. They functionally hit a different part of the removal gauntlet. Right. So starting at the bottom, abrupt decay, it's great against your engine cards. It's, so, so it's, yeah, the, the thing with Abrupt Decay is it answers your cards that are normally hard to kill. So Bitter Blossom loses yep. a lot of value, Intangible Virtue loses a lot of value. Um, the nice, the problem with it is it's a targeted removal spell, so Lingering Souls is very strong against it. The other token generated cards are very strong. Not to mention your main threat, the top of your curve, is completely resistant to it. The fact that you'll have all these tokens that Abrupt Decay can't really get rid of and doesn't really do anything against, and then you come swinging in with a Butcher of the Horde, is a big game against that card. Huge. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely the sort of thing where they're they're on their they can answer your bitter blossom and your virtue with that card, but as far as hitting any of your threats, it's a horrible card. It's right. costing them two mana to kill a token. Yeah, because most of your deck is either two drops or the four drop or or gain you value. Like right. those tokens are like free. So like killing a Doom Traveler with a Brump Decay is terrible. But that being said, getting rid of Bitter Blossom is one of the yes. the keys yes. to stopping the deck. Yeah. So it's good. Lightning Bolt probably is the the worst, other than the fact that you just no path you... has to be the worst. Yes, that's true. Lightning Bolt has the the benefit of the fact that it kills a lot of your two drop creatures. It's terrible against your token plan, and you there is a chance that Lightning Bolt is good against getting rid of your life total, because if you just have a Bitter Blossom in play and you're not getting any type of life, yeah. then you run into problems. So Lightning Bolt can run... You can run into issues with Lightning Bolt once again. The fact that you have this 5-4 that comes out at the top that's Lightning Bolt resistant is a big help. The fact that it gains you life when you attack with it is a big help. Big time. And the fact that Lingering Souls is once again resilient to spotted spot removal helps a lot. I would say, yeah. So then Path is the worst card ever against you. It's yeah, I mean, once again, it helps because it kills the the the, uh, the aristocrat, the the demon, uh, the 5-4, but against everything else, it just doesn't do much. <laughs> I guess the one thing about Path is that the reason Path is maybe a little better is that they're getting their effect, they're getting 100% what they want out of the effect because most of the time you're going to sacrifice something in response to gain value, so you won't get the land they're willing to give you. True. Um, and you're going to fizzle that part of the spell. Whereas the Lightning Bolt, if you just sack your guy in response to Lightning Bolt, nothing really happens. So it depends. If we go on, like, turn two and they path something, I'd let it die for a... I mean, like, I don't need stuff in my graveyard. It's not like I gain advantage from being able to get it back later. So. I guess what I mean is this sort of strategy is one of those things where you, you always say, well, removal's not going to be good because I can sacrifice in response. And in the case of path... You don't want to sacrifice right. a response. Right, right, right. So I guess it's it's just that they they get what they want. They get a perfect one white, get rid of your thing. Correct. Uh, which is more rare. Uh, if they use it against one of the creatures that you sacrifice. But on the other hand, you get a land, so ramping into your four drop is nice, or your Liliana on turn true, two. True, true. But like, the, it, it, there's definitely a play, but once again, spot removal isn't great, because Lingering Souls is just great against spot removal. And right now, the format's not built to beat Lingering Souls. It should be. I yeah. would be very surprised if, like, after this Pro Tour, we don't start seeing Thunder Mahalka. Um, but right now, that's not the case. Uh, moving on, um, answer-wise, so that's kind of the spot removal section. Uh, counter spells, so much of this deck is turn two. And right. control decks can't beat a turn two Bitter Blossom, currently. Uh, depends on the control. 
I mean, if it's a control deck, they can support Abrupt Decay. <laughs> right, sure, fair enough. <laughs> so, mid-range decks can, but the, the blue-white-based and decks have a really big problem with just a Bitter Blossom going If they don't on. spell snare you on the draw, you're going to resolve it, and they're going to be so upset. Right. I mean, even their end game, which and is... And Snare's not that great right now, because so much of the format is on four drops. I mean, their, their end game, way trying to, to activate Colonnades... You're like, okay, I'll block your colony with a 1-1. One, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lose a life every turn. You spend six mana every yeah. turn. Uh, I'll take it. So, um, yeah, I would agree. They're, they're, Electrolyze is pretty solid against you. Yep. But it's not even amazing because at best, it like it it half counters the Lingering Souls. souls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they draw a card. You get two more 2-2 two, two tokens. Yeah. Uh, it does pretty much... Like, it stalls Bitter Blossom for a second. It does... Kill uh, the Aristocrat. Not the Aristocrat, the Blood Artist. Yeah, half yeah. of it gets rid of... That's really good. Yeah. That's no, 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 it is a strong card. I'm not saying they have no answers. But you're definitely more resilient, because once again, that tech is all about spot removal. Yeah, it definitely feels to me like... And uh, Counter Magic is just not going to be that great against you. So, yeah, you Counter Spells against this deck. The only thing, like, like, like we said, basically, Remand and Mana Leak, if they can answer Bitter Blossom, great. Everything else in the deck other than Butcher, you're only playing one set of four drops in the whole deck. So yeah. if they... It, Plus you have Liliana, which is great against counterspell decks because you yeah. just start ripping apart their hand. You feel, I think you feel pretty good about a matchup against counterspells. Now I would say that your matchup against Hand Disruption, because this deck is pretty much... If they can get you, if they can get you on turn one and get the Bitter Blossom out of your hand... I I don't feel as good about my matchup anymore if they know what's coming because the thing is you're a lot a lot of the way this is going to work is you're going to maybe sandbag cartel aristocrat or something until you have tokens in play so that if you do play it you've got backups if they try to get rid of it because he's sort of the most he or she whatever is on the picture I can't quite remember but Richard the Horn no cartel aristocrat oh it's a it's a dude it's a dude it's a dude he's kind of the most important card uh, you don't really want to have him on the table unless you have two or three other creatures to protect him but the other thing with him is we talked about this earlier if you're playing against decks that you know could probably answer him very conveniently you don't play him outright yes you could be gaining small advantage with that but you can use him as just a burn spell towards the end of the game once you have like a few tokens in play and the thing you can just gain advantage off them immediately so that at least you gain value from it so what i mean is early in the game if they thought sees let's say they thought sees bitter blossom out of your hand and then they know you have an aristocrat and they kind of now they see your hand they know the strategy so now they're like okay my plan is to make sure by the time he plays that I can't just lose to some shenanigans play. Right, and that's I think some of the, the some of the way this deck works is they don't know what's in your hand. They don't know if you're sandbagging that aristocrat. You're not going right. to usually slam it on turn two. That's not how the deck works. They don't want to do that unless you 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 almost think never will. It, right, it's, it's a rare situation. You would same with blood artist. Turns one and two in this deck are are strip your hand and make tokens. Strip your hand and make tokens. Like yeah. The, the, the engine cards, because this is kind of functionally a mid-range deck. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It, it, it's kind of taking what Abzan is doing. It's it's a cross. It's a big melding of Birthing Pod token, black-white tokens, and Abzan. Yeah, agreed. Um, lastly, Spellskite. You have a bunch of removal. Spellskite stops it. It must be the best card in modern by, by a wide margin. <laughs> I mean, Spellskite's great. It's a great card. No, no, I mean, I don't... This is not a deck that main decks it. I mean, there's, there's, it's rare that a deck main decks Spellskite. So that, that, this is the kind of deck that you have... Because one of your threats, the point is that it makes itself protection from a color. That's so that's such an important thing. It's possible that if you were up against the deck that, that just was full of removal, full of lightning bolts and electrolyzes... Well, I'm and, not saying you'd play Spellskite. I'm saying against this deck, Spellskite doesn't do a whole lot. At best, it blocks your Cartel Aristocrat because it now has 
the protection yeah. from colors doesn't do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But beyond, but that's a two-two on the ground. That's more meant to sack yeah. creatures than and gain value than it is to like. Agreed, but what was I mean? It's pretty decent against you because you you are playing four light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I playing mean, four light. I'm not saying it's it doesn't do anything, but I think its issue it'll do more protecting their stuff than it'll do to stop you from yeah. doing your. It's thing. not like that good against. Yeah, you. Yeah, it yeah. Does, yeah, yeah. It's just a thing. Yeah. Uh, the decks that need to protect stuff from lightning bolt will play it because they have you have lightning bolt. Yeah. That's about they, it. I don't even know if they would necessarily bring. So so that's the deck. Uh, tell us what you guys think on the Twitters and stuff. As yeah. always, we are the MM Cast on Twitter. Check out our sister podcast. Yeah, the Command Zone. The Command Zone, which is at the Command Cast on Twitter. Cast, are you are you in school for learning yeah. how to say that correctly? Because um, you did I've, it right I've this taken, time. Taking <laughs> night classes <laughs> uh, down at SMC. They do a lot of good work there. <laughs> You're a real sage. Yep. I hope you guys are watching the Pro Tour. If you guys want to tweet us the question of the week, which is, what is your favorite deck from the Pro Tour that you currently have seen being played in Modern? Yep. Um, we'll see you next week. But before we sign oh. off, you can find Kessler at... Oh, at Kess Wiley on Twitter. And you can find Ben at... At Ben Bateman Media. And I have now uh, unified all of my social media platforms. So Ben Bateman Media anywhere. That's, that's going to be Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat. I don't use Snapchat, but if I do start using it... Actually, in defense of that, if you want to find me on, like, League of Legends or on, like, PSN Network or on any of those, I'm Kess Wiley on all of those as well. So, Excellent. really, you can find both of us And if you guys, yeah, on the if, internet. If, if you like the deck or anything, like, uh, I love when you guys interact with us. We, we, you know, we get, like, a handful of you guys that ask us questions and, and comment on right. the, the cast every week. And it's it's really a lot of fun to know that you guys are listening and... and uh, it helps me like learn more about what we're talking about. Sort of, uh, if I throw an idea, I think recently we talked about uh, what was the deck, and somebody suggested. Oh, it was uh, we were talking about our version of the the, the second iteration of Hunted Handsome, the right. most recent one, and somebody suggested Beck. From uh, Beck and Call. From Beck and Call. And it was like, oh my god, that's so good. Right. That's it's like crazy. I was like, that's a, how did we miss that card? <laughs> and it was like the it was like head explodes. So like, yeah. please listen, comment. Uh, We'll always interact. Also, um, we have started releasing video versions of the podcast uh, every beginning of the week. So on YouTube, so you can guys go check it out there. Subscribe there. Uh, there'll be links on the page on RocketJump.com. Yeah, if you like to just listen in the background, that's and, yeah. So like, if you're at work or something and you want to just have it coming from your phone, that's a great place to listen to it. Uh, we will see you soon. Have fun watching the Pro Tour. Yeah, talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.